Folks, I want to welcome you all to On the Edge with K.A. Owens. I'm K.A. Owens, and we are broadcasting from the top of the Hayburn Building in Louisville, Kentucky. Now, this is Forward Radio, uh, 106.5 FM, WFMP-LP Louisville. And if you want to find out a little bit more about our station, you can go to forwardradio.org. And we're live streaming now, so if you go to that website... You can click on a button and listen to us anywhere in the city, uh, anywhere in the state, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world. Again, uh, this is On the Edge with K.A. Owens, and I'm K.A. Owens, and and we are blessed and favored to have uh, Joy McAtee here with us today. Uh, Joy McAtee is the director of the Office of Equity of the City of Louisville in Louisville, Kentucky. So, welcome. How you doing, K.A.? K.A. the legend. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about the Office of Equity. Um, what does it do? Uh, uh, how many people are working for it? Uh, what are its programs? So on and so forth. Sure. So uh, the Office of Equity was established in 2016, and it has two focuses, one internally to make sure that um, policies and practices ranging from hiring and promotions to procurement align with the mayor's racial equity agenda, and then externally for the city to um, focus on improving equitable outcomes for all marginalized groups. So, uh, how long uh, uh, has that office been in existence? Does it have uh, programs or that we need to be aware of, or activities, or uh, you know, if we were to find out what the Office of Equity was doing, sort of today, what what would we look to? Yeah, absolutely. So, again, it was established in 2016, um, and within the Office of Equity, you have a couple of different departments and initiatives. Uh, the first being the Office for Women, which is specifically focused on advancing the status of women in our community and improving racial and gender uh, equality uh, through the lens of intersectionality. And so it has seven specific focus areas that uh, we're trying to, to do that in. Uh, they're gender-based violence, human trafficking, social and economic well-being, housing, education, civic engagement, and autonomy. And um, that office is led by the extraordinary Gretchen Hunt. And uh, she's been able to do some amazing work since coming on board in January of this year. Uh, they've worked on um, the Commission on Gender Equity, which uh, will focus on involving government, community, and nonprofit leaders to address the seven focus areas that I just mentioned. Um, she has worked with the Diaper Bank to address diaper need in order to raise awareness and amplify and scale the current community efforts um, in that area. And then uh, one of the uh, more amazing programs that I think that that office has had recently has been with uh, Pastor Tim Finley over at uh, Kingdom Fellowship, where they had an honest discussion about domestic violence and uh, involved some other organizations within the community uh, to talk about those things and, and how to really be there for um, folks who find themselves in that unfortunate um, position and, and ways to support so uh, I'm, I'm really excited about all the work that's coming from there. We also have the Human Relations Commission that 
for, if for any reason you find yourself dealing with uh, employment discrimination, you've um, experienced hate crime, housing discrimination, or need public accommodations, uh, if, if you have needs in that area, Renee Goatley is the director of, of that commission, and uh, they've actually just celebrated 60 years um, a couple of weeks ago. So we're really excited about all the work that they've done uh, over the last several decades to um, fight for social justice. Uh, Truth and Transformation is a new initiative that will um, being that will be coming forward soon. And that uh, initiative is specifically focused on working with LMPD in hopes of uh, building a, a true relationship with the community. Obviously, over the last two years, we've gone through a lot as a community with the tragic murder of Breonna Taylor. and um, But not even that. I mean, we, we understand the history of, um, you know, our police department and, uh, you know, this particular initiative is focusing on reconciliation and uh, trying to restore how we address, like, how the community has been harmed and um, holding LMPD accountable. And um, there is a, a group that we are collaborating with in that effort. And then Lean Into Louisville, which um, is a series of presentations, activities, events to address and confront the history and legacy of all forms of racism and discrimination. Uh, I'm really excited about that initiative because I've had the opportunity to, to lead that work since coming on board with the Office of Equity. And um, we've just made a real concerted effort to engage with the community. We have a specific focus on um, engaging with individuals who are typically absent from the conversation as it relates to race and discrimination. Uh, I think most people will understand, especially if you're in this work or you've been fighting for social justice, um, typically when things occur or there are issues within America, we find ourselves in a room talking to the same folks. When there's people that need to be reached, that need to be brought into the conversation, that need to do some work on their end to address us um, you know, address these issues and to come together as a community. So uh, just really fortunate to be able to be in this space. And we've recently la launched a partnership with the Earth and Spirit Center, which I'm super excited about because um, they're focused on also really reaching those individuals specifically in the white community to engage and to educate and to um, get them involved with making Louisville a better place. So uh, there's a lot of exciting events and programming that you'll see here soon. And, um, you know, this is an all-hands-on-deck effort. You know, we talk about being a compassionate city, but what does that really mean? And um, how are we really making sure that folks who have been discriminated against and oppressed and marginalized are um, having the opportunities to live their best life? Yes, yeah, so uh, almost any one of those uh, uh, divisions, uh, we could spend more than a half an hour talking about the, Absolutely. Uh, any, any one of them. Uh, one of, I think where I, 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 uh, the last time I ran into you was at one of your programs that you were involved in was at the Fraser. Yes. Where uh, 
this one involved uh, the Black Six. Yes. Uh, so can you tell us about what that was about? Absolutely. Um, that program turned out to be much more than what I thought it would be. Um, and I'll just give you a little background. So I'm born and raised in Louisville, went to the historic Central High School. And so I remember hearing about these riots, the Greenwood riots, right? And anytime it was that topic was ever brought up, that term riot was discussed. There was a certain narrative that was out there. There was uh, essentially blame cast upon a community as to why these events took place. And it wasn't until this year that I learned about the Black Six and um, their story and what really occurred. And um, but more so the impact that it had on them as individuals, uh, what it had on their families and what it still and, and the ways it still impacts their families today. And then when you think about 28th and Greenwood, and um, I remember when we were doing the, the research on this project, I was so fortunate to be able to work with uh, Rachel Platt on this. Uh, and most people remember her from uh, WHAS and all her, her her years spent on television. But um, she sent me some pictures of what that area used to look like. And for a second, it, it was like something wasn't computing in my brain that this is what 28th and Greenwood used to be because I'm used to seeing it, what it looks like today. And so when you think about um, the impact of those events and, and how it has affected that area um, economically and how, as a city, we have not invested in that part uh, of the city. I mean, it was thriving. It had businesses and shops and jewelry stores and, and things like that. And so I say all that to say this, it's much more than the narrative that was put out to the public. Um, you know, members of the Black Six, um, you know, they were framed and um, castigated by society. It was hard for members of the Black Six to get jobs. Um, they lost their homes. They lost marriages. Family members didn't speak to them, um, you know. And so that program really allowed them the opportunity to tell their story. And it was the first time that many folks had even heard of the Black Six. And um, just kind of the account of what happened and how it wasn't really a riot. And so I would encourage folks, if you would like to learn more about that, you could visit the Lean Into Louisville Facebook page and you will find the uh, full program. And to do, um, you know, I encourage you to do some more research and to, to watch that program. And it's something that ended up catching um, some national attention. It was profiled on CBS News as a part of their Bridging the Divide series, which also um, captured the work that the Fraser History Museum is doing. And, uh, you know, it, it's been phenomenal. But I think the thing that came out of it that is significant is that Mayor Fisher issued an apology on behalf of, of Louisville government and um, LNPD. And then he issued a more formal apology uh, during our um, HRC luncheon during our week of Juneteenth. And, uh, but from there, you know, the acknowledgement was good. The apology was good, but now it's like, okay, what's the action? What does this look like so that we are accurately telling, 
uh, the story for events that have happened in our city? And then how are we making this right for not just um, the individuals and the families that were involved, but that entire um, area within the West End? So, yes. So uh, can they go on, folks listening, can they go online and find that particular program, that particular event? Yeah. Yes, so uh, you could visit um, the Lean Into Louisville Facebook page. I believe the Fraser History Museum may also have it on their Facebook page. And then the Courier Journal has done a lot of um, great work as far as covering it. And uh, so, but if you have any other information, uh, folks are, are welcome to reach out to me and I can give you my contact information or share it with listeners at the end. Okay. Uh so just to make it briefly, there uh, was a civil disturbance in Louisville mm-hmm. in the late 60s, uh, originating around issues of police brutality. Right. And then what the powers that be decided to do was to take six individuals, some of whom barely knew Didn't each other. Didn't even know each other. And say, hey, these people are responsible for the unrest. And these people became known as the Black Six. And, and some of the most ridiculous uh, accusations were were um, assigned to them. I mean, they were accused of trying to blow up the rubber town plant. Um, I mean, Sam Hawkins, even after this particular situation had ended, in this case it ended, continued to be stopped and harassed by police. So, I mean, you know... You see um, just kind of where some of these origins of mistrust between the community and, and residents began. Um, and the Black Six, and uh, let's see, there was uh, Sherry Bryant's mother, who was Ruth Bryant. Yes. That's one. And, she, and Sherry Bryant was sort of a bit older than the other, other folks, uh, uh, well-known sort of community activist right. married to the local doctor. So there was Ruth Bryant, who's passed now. Mm-hmm. There was Pete Cosby. Yes, who also uh, just passed. Okay. And Sam Hawkins, still alive. Yes. And who who am I missing? Manfred. Manfred Reed. And Robert Cooley Sims. All right. And And, uh, Cortez, I'm forgetting his name um, at the moment. Okay. But those are the individuals that comprise the Black Six. And they were all local except for Cortez. Correct. Right. Uh, so, um, uh, so yes, and so just as a note, I mean, uh, uh, not only sort of 28th and Greenwood, but uh, 28th and Duvernail, uh thriving. But I've noticed that it's hard to find a, a bank branch in the West End mm-hmm. and uh, where there used to be. And uh, that's just amazing to me uh, for some reason. I mean... Uh, uh, there are not as many bank branches. Uh, of course, you could say, well, more people are using the cash apps or whatever, but, uh, you know, they have bank branches in other areas. Right. And uh, that's just fascinating to me. Is, uh, 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 so uh, that is 28th and Dumanil and 28th and Greenwood had a totally different aspect uh, at that time in history. And... Uh, Sometimes you wonder uh, if, uh, if people even know uh, 
what was lost. So, so that's that's one thing, and so, and so, uh, as far as now, uh, uh, of course, I don't know whether. Of course, one of the biggest issues facing women now is the Supreme Court de- decision. So, is the Office of Equity involved in that at all, or is that sort of off your uh, uh, territory, outside your territory? No, I, I think it definitely falls within. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Office for Women is is taking. Um, the lead on what that looks like, obviously, to make sure that we're supporting especially black and uh, women of color in this effort, but to also provide um, resources and to um, help the community as a whole understand that this is not strictly about abortion. It's about access to equal health care, and we understand that um, the mortality rates for black women is three to four times higher than any other group. And, you know, we need to also take into account those those issues when we strip Roe v. Wade. So um, I, I know we have some programming on the horizon for that where we will be bringing in... Um, some organizations that are serving women uh, with a specific focus on serving black and minority women. Um, but we also want folks to realize this is not just a women's issue. This is a, a, a health issue for, for all. Yes. And so, uh, uh, and so the human, human relations commission, 60 years, uh, a lot of folks, uh, uh, have sort of interacted with it, uh, and so uh, so it doesn't have like uh, two different arms or. Uh, uh, well, uh, tell us what you want to tell us about the Human Relations Commission. So I think you were onto something. I I don't want to misquote it, but um, so yes, there is a portion of that office that is focused on. Um, civil rights and complaints of discrimination, but then maybe what you're also referencing is um, the economic and business procurement side of it. So if folks are looking to become certified with Metro government um, as a vendor, um, they work with local businesses to get them through that process so that they can also to participate um, within Metro uh, government business development opportunities. So, and then with uh, Truth and Transition, as far as the, the police department, uh, I mean, building a, a sort of 21st century police department for Louisville is, is sort of a constant effort. And uh, do you want to go into more detail about that uh, and what that all means? You know, uh, uh, uh yeah, so there is a um, a program that um, LMPD officers right now, I, I believe their command staff has already gone through that training, and then the patrol staff will um, take up that training, I want to say next week or within the next two weeks, and then uh, we will begin hosting community listening sessions for folks to come together and to discuss um, their vision for uh, a city that coexist more in harmony with LMPD. Um, obviously, we can recognize that um, 
there has been a, a rise in police brutality and um, harassment and things like that. And so we need to get down to, you know, brass tacks as to what can be done to rectify this issue. Here are our concerns. Here's what we feel when we're out on the streets during our patrols. What are some ways that we can work better together um, and live within the community? And I'm sure that not everyone will agree on everything. Um, you know, I like to hold out hope that um, we can have something better than what we've seen over the last several years. Uh, we've been through a lot. I mean, there was a case that what happened in Ohio, was it just yesterday or a couple of days ago where a young man was um, shot, I think, what, 90 bullets were were shot and then 60 hit his body? I mean, it was an absurd situation, but time and time again, we've seen black people and communities across the nation um, suffer or come to their demise at the hands of police brutality. So, uh, you know, this is a conversation that needs to be had. Uh, I'm really hopeful that the community will come out because we need to have these discussions. Um, so please be on the lookout for more information there. Um, I'm sure we will have more things soon at louisvilleky.gov slash equity. Um, but again, if folks have questions um, or concerns about that, and we, we definitely want to hear from the community um, on that, you know, feel free to um, catch us on social media or um, feel free to shoot me an email. So, yes, and so did you want to give out that email address now? Or? Yeah, sure. It's uh, joy.mcatee at louisvilleky.gov, and it's J-O-I dot M-C-A-T-E-E at louisvilleky.gov. So, uh, you know, Louisville is thought of and, and surely is, uh, I guess, sort of the most progressive spot in the state. And so that's sort of a, a good thing, but it's kind of a, a, a burden to carry as Absolutely. well. Because there are, yes, but there's still there are shortfalls within that. Uh, so when you talk about the partnership with the Earth and Spirit Center on kind of race relations, is that, is that what you're talking about? Yes. Okay. And so, yes, it's better than sort of other places in Kentucky, but there are sort of uh, weak areas. And so how do you deal with that? I mean, sort of, yes, it's better here than everywhere else, but still. Right. It could be better. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I really dream of living in a place to where when my daughter grows up that, you know, when she looks back and... 10, 12 years, she was like, Mom, you know, what was this job about? Why did you have to do that? Like, it would just not make sense to her that we would need an office or initiatives like this to address racial discrimination, because I would love for this to be a thing of the past. If you're tired of people talking about racism, thinking about the folks who are sick of experiencing it. Um, and while Louisville is progressive, uh, we have a, a long way to go towards people um, in our most marginalized communities to really rise to the level of economic success, of educational success, that health, 
um, uh, you know, outcomes that, that we deserve. And one of the things that Lean Into Louisville is focused on is looking at these policies that have existed that have also shaped why our communities, certain areas of neighborhoods look a certain way when we think about um, the West End, it has this narrative that it's um, poor and um, riddled with crime. But let's take a look back to understand policies that push that part of town to that state in the first place. Um, and then let's figure out, okay, now how do we advocate on the behalf of that community? How are we working with our council members? How are we working with our state reps and senators to um, have economic um, investment in those areas? Um, so it's it's all a part of the work that we're trying to do in the Office of Equity. I mean, we have to really get honest about our history. Um, Emily Bingham has a, a new book the name of, of it escapes me at this moment, but it discusses the history of the song My Old Kentucky Home. And, you know, it's things like that um, where folks really need to understand um, just the history of this community and be willing to address it and um, do so in a way that's collaborative and in love, but also put an action behind it. So... Um uh, you know, Blaine Hudson, uh, the late Blaine Hudson, mm -hmm. uh, he was the first African-American dean of arts and sciences at the University of Louisville, who remarkably had, had been expelled from the same school for demanding black studies <laughs> uh, like 30 years previously. But yeah. uh, um, he said he did a uh, co-author a report for the Urban League. and He talked about black urban youth being uh, some of the most isolated youth in the country as far as exposure to the world outside the community and uh, like Ricky Jones who's chair of Pan-African Studies at the University of Louisville he said uh, the, the brother hanging out on the corner doesn't know that it takes four years to get a college degree uh, and I'm, so uh, it's just interesting that depending on where you're from and what you're exposed to, you know, you just, there's certain things, a certain vocabulary, you know, uh, uh, you know, 120 hours to get a bachelor's degree and that kind of stuff. It's sort of normal part of uh, everyday conversation, but it's actually not for everybody. Uh, uh, so, uh, and how do we get there? Uh, the school system, I mean, what I've said about Jefferson County Public Schools it, is that really there's more opportunity now than there ever has been. I mean, you can get a private pilot's license for free or an airframe or power plant license for free at Shawnee. Mm -hmm. You can get a couple years of college credit by going to certain schools. And, uh, and uh, uh, so, but the parent has to be a brilliant navigator of the system. Because there's no way that the average child is going to be able to navigate. Mm -hmm. and the, in other words, they're trying to get your child in the right school, in the right yeah. program for him or her. Uh, the parent requires a lot of parent investment uh, uh, to understand how the system works. And I think that's, and that's very true. And I think that's part of the barriers um, that have been put in place to... Um, 
keep black people and people of color um, down, essentially. Um, you know, when you think about our school system and how I know they have transitioned to this this new um, plan. The new student assignment the plan. The new student Much assignment plan. About, yes. But when you think about how, like, and I'm just going to use the, the old terminology, the clusters and where certain schools are located, and that determines the uh, success of the school and, you know, and things like that, you know, it, it automatically places certain kids at a disadvantage. And then, um, you know, of course, Every school wants more parent involvement, but we also shouldn't make it more difficult for parents to be involved. Folks, we've been here with Joey McAtee, Director of the Office of Equity uh, for the City of Louisville. And we want to thank you so, so much for making time out of your busy schedule to be here with us today. Oh, no, the honor is all mine. Thank you so much for the opportunity, and I hope you'll have me back.